You ready? Yep. How about you? Yep. Start it up. Podcasting from beautiful East Tennessee and brought to you by the BRV Studios, this is Have You Heard, our show that brings up random news and crazy events with a lot of other topics you've probably never heard of. For instance, have you heard about what you can find on the edge of a river in Russia or Wayne Huizinga and his untold history of success? What about agricorn in your hot wallet? We cover this and a whole lot more. Here is episode 40 from the Big Red Van. All right, uh, we are all back together again. Episode forty, H Y H. I'm a man. I'm forty. We're grown up now, boys. Forty episodes. We're only a couple weeks away from our uh, annual. I think that's what we've been referring to it as. So would that would that put BRV over the hill? Over the. I think we're just getting started, brother. What's podcast years? I don't know. They, they got to be like <laughs> beats me. This ex- is, they're like an, an extrapolation of dog years, you know. So then, have we made it to the toddler stage yet? Or are I, we still in diapers? No, we're we're still we're still shitting ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> as far as podcasts go, think about it. Like some of your favorite podcasts are probably 300, 400, 500 episodes deep, deep. right? Hmm. Oh, I did. Uh, uh, I saw a statistic. There are approximately three hundred and fifty thousand podcasts, and they're growing by the day. Yep, <clears throat> crazy. It, it's the amount of podcasts that uh, come out from celebrities, like just sports people that I listen to daily on the radio. It, this person's got a podcast with this country musician, mm-hmm. or this radio personality's got a podcast with this athlete. It's just the way that the combinations they come up with are crazy, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to outdo BRV. So it's all good. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's all good. So, um, but it's good to have all three of us in here. I'm glad to be sitting with two of you guys. I want to talk about one thing real fast before we get started, though. Uh, you two have Facebook, right? Malcolm, you don't use Facebook very much. Is that correct? Nah. I don't care for it. And I mean, you've had it for a while, and you were uh, it, during its birth of it and all that. Like, same thing with my wife and a lot of people. And my wife's the same age as you. Yeah. So, a lot of people have Facebook. Over a billion and a half people have Facebook. Less and so. less over the years, I should say. The fact that only 33% of this room has Facebook is probably not a lot of rooms in the country that are like this. Right. You know, so I guess is what I'm getting at. Eventually, what I'm trying to get at is this whole Cambridge Analytica thing thing that you've heard about in the news Mm -hmm. i'm sure where all this data over 50 million people's worth of data was taken from the facebook accounts right and when people hear that they don't i hear my data's being stolen that's something that's like super private right right that's something people automatically hear like the alarm bells go off in your head yeah they're not talking about like your social and your phone number and stuff they're talking about like who you are like what things you like what things that you comment good on, the way you make decisions. They can make the a replica profile of who you are. Right. They know enough about you to make a replica profile of who you are. Yeah, they That's know what you play. like and what you share and what you click on, what you comment on, and and yeah, they can figure out who you are real quick. So my brain works in a way where I was trying to think about what does that mean to me and how can I bring that to the podcast in a way where it can be a little bit conversational. So we've been talking for months about all these companies that collect data on people and MoviePass, 
is the first one that comes to my mind. How the guy talked about how he wanted to lower the subscription price from $50 a month to $10 a month in order to urge people to go to more movies because of the data that he was able to collect from these people mm-hmm. while they were going out and spending and all this and that. And then ultimately the plan to sell that data <laughs> to other people, correct? Mm. Now, that people don't really think twice about that when they read an article about it until something like this Cambridge Analytica thing happens. And now everyone's all up in arms about it. So I pose a question to you guys. What is safer, shopping online or shopping in stores in person? Ultimately, when you truly think about it, because right now people want to, we've done another more episodes about shopping online and the reasons that people cite for shopping online being privacy. Yep. So how private are you shopping online? In my opinion, you're not. Agreed. Right. Oh, yeah, of course not. Of course not. Like, I I, think we all would agree with that, too. Like when I go to Walmart and buy something, they don't get my birthday. Or they don't have the chance of getting my birthday. When you're searching on a website and you just happen to notice ads that are only there because of what you've searched before or what you've shopped at before, yeah. like, clear, ding, 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 clearly ding, ding, there's ding, tracking. <laughs> clearly there is. But do people think twice about that, I guess is what my overall point is. People right now don't even think twice about it. And they even think that privacy online is like a reason to mm. shop online versus going to the store. But when some, once something out like this comes out like this, I think it's going to change the way that people shop online. The only thing we have worked in the same industry for years now. Just said that off air before we started recording, and we have seen the habits of the online shopper grow and grow and grow, and the habits of the in-store customer change. Mm-hmm. And we've been thinking to ourselves, what is it going to take? to make the online shopper change their current habits. Bingo. It's going to take something like this, in my opinion. Agreed. Um, I think this is going to help revitalize malls, in my opinion. I think it is interesting, though, because when we came out with the episode talking about MoviePass, not long after that, one of the people for MoviePass came out with this long email, which I happen to receive because I have MoviePass, talking about those members that are worried about their location being tracked. Because obviously... The way MoviePass works is to check into a theater, you have to be with one within 100 yards of the theater. And the only way it knows that is because your location services are right. on. Yeah, it's so like an agreement. You get you, there, it's an agreement you yeah. enter to have it mm-hmm. that you allow them to track you. Exactly. Uh-huh. So you're clicking in, and then as soon as you get there, then you get to swipe your card. So not only are they getting to see, all right, what are all these movies that people are getting to see in which theaters are they going to they also see where you're going and what time you get to go the email is talking about how they don't necessarily watch your location unless you are searching from home to see what theater is close but besides that they won't be searching for your location at any time at all or keeping sure. track of that of course they're gonna uh, say no. that <laughs> you know they're gonna get those people that won't be so scared of it to away with that but i don't know what say you read in store online? You do a lot of the prime stuff. Make you, you think, know, make you think twice about it when you I realize guess, all your data is out there. But you, see, guess, you're not stupid. You realize all that already. I'm very anti ads. Mm-hmm. Like I just do not succumb to the ad. Like no matter how many times it says you got to click this to get the, like nope. But you lose. How about, like like I'm I guess not a better way for, for me it. to ask the question. Uh, what of I what mean I'm is that for. data is to be able to be better at manipulating and targeting me into mm-hmm. products. Mm-hmm. 
that's what that why that data is so valuable. I'm saying me personally, like throw all the ads at me you want. You're not going to get me unless I actually like what you've got. You know what I mean? Like as far as a product or a, a thing, like I'm just not an ads guy, I guess is a, a way of putting that. So I care less if they get my shopping trend, you know, interests. Great. Make a commercial for me. I'm still not going <laughs> to fall for it. Make one just for me. Yeah. And I'm good. You know, but, uh, but no, I still like, I think it's deeper I than still that though, like man. going I think, to a store. To I think buy it's deeper than things, just being able though. to market towards you. I, I I don't think that it's just them being able to collect data only that's going to make the perfect commercial. No, so like, I, I think that it is deeper than I think it's you, more personal data. Like they know your birthday. So they know everything about you. If, if they have all of your information from your Facebook profile or and or every single profile that you have online that they can get from your shopping habits, right. from all of that online See that like data, Boston Analytics thing – like they were essentially trying to come up with like they sold that data to political campaigns to come up with essentially good slogans that was essentially the goal out of getting it that's where the drain the swamp came from and all that stuff was actually a boston um analytics phrase that they came up with from that data of these people well we're finding out that there are secondary uses to it like cambridge analytica's uses to it like creating false profiles for people and all Hmm. of that so that's that's kind of what i'm saying wait is it cambridge or boston cambridge analytica was the name of the place i I said boston a second ago so just (laughs) (laughs) creating things i mean that's i don't think people have thought about it to that level until now and that's kind of, I guess, the point that I'm I'm making. We've thought about it at this level because we've we've talked about it. Whether or not we thought about it the next day, we've at least podcasted about mm-hmm. it. So it's not a new thought to us. But I think now that this is becoming a bigger thing, man, there are a lot of people that are oh well, Cambridge Analytica worked with these people in the past, so I'm sure all of their data is yeah. compromised as well, and all of those things. And before people didn't even think twice. But it was one of those you don't know what you don't know type things. Yeah. So. But it really made them, they want to push those fake news memes at people. They yeah. really knew who to hit with them mm-hmm. so that they would just eat it up. Yeah. Well, if they could make a carbon copy of me, I'm sure that they could market to me very well. Right. You know, so they would know throw KU ads. All <laughs> that's all. So. Uh, that's, anyway. that, dude, that's honestly me. If I'm scrolling through Facebook, I'm getting like star wars ads and star trek mm. ads and hey have you signed up for uh cbs all access so you can watch star trek like i literally get that ad like nonstop. speaking of that just like popped into my head disney you mentioned on a prior episode disney coming out with their own streaming mm. thing they uh my kid was watching a show the other day on the disney channel and it showed a, a commercial for their um app it's gonna be basically oh, really? an app that's just all everything disney something to look forward to I can't remember what the date is. I'm pretty sure this episode will be out before it comes up. But just as Apple likes to do an expo and let you know all the different products that are coming right. out, Disney's is coming out pretty soon. So we'll get to see what movies are coming out and oh, no, probably cool. some updates on the um, app. I remember them doing it last year. and then, When your company gets that big. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? They, they did it last year, and it was phenomenal to see what they had in store as far as Star Wars and everything. Um, but 
that next expo, I'm pretty sure it's in a couple of weeks, and they'll be talking about all the new stuff like Marvel and probably the app, which you talked about. Nice. That's yeah. probably going to be the forefront of what they're I'm thinking talk. so. Disney's trying to make some moves. I mean, with everybody Powered. else doing their things. I mean, anyway, you guys ready to get started? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Lists? Let's do it. <laughs> everybody, have you heard? Uh, this one's about uh, a fisherman in Siberia that made a very grim. Mother Russia. Yes, in in Russia, he made a he very grim discovery uh, earlier in March on the eighth. While okay, he was walking, okay. while he was walking near a river, okay, something frozen in the ice. Yep. Okay. Uh, I mean, like in the snow, I guess. I okay. Say. Well, context clues, you know. Um, so, upon his surprise, he found twenty-seven pairs of human hands. Wait, hands? Why not pair? Oh, pairs. pairs. Twenty-seven pairs. Okay, I understand. So as I understand in, as in, like fifty-four separate total hands. hands. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Twenty-seven pairs. And obviously frozen, so pretty good condition, yeah. Yeah, yeah they were, uh, <laughs> mo- most of them were stuffed into a bag, um, but there, oh. but there was a couple, like, on the surface, that's where he was able to see one, poking oh, out of the no. snow. So, uh, according to the local news there in Russia, though, which everything is state TV, so you gotta, you gotta believe what you believe on Russian news, but the, um, the fisherman that found it, um, what, Why is it always a fisherman that finds stuff <laughs> like this? Um, so, like, the the place it was found was uh, Kabarovsk. That's going to be my best. If one of y'all says some silly-ass name. <laughs> In Russia. Uh, but it's on the far southeast corner, about 19 miles from China. Um, but the Amur River is where is the name of the river, and it's, like, a popular place where fishermen are. So it's a lot of people come and go through the area. Hmm. Okay. But anyways, um, initially he only saw the one hand and then discovered the full bag soon after they went over and investigated. But so, so like he saw one hand and then like started digging or yeah, basically like there's a hand sticking out of the snow. There must be more. (laughs) There's never one hand. (laughs) There's never just one. Never just one. Um, so the, so here's the official statement from the Russian uh, investigative committee of the Russian they probably Federation down, downplayed it, right? The Russian Federation uh, or the investigative committee of the Russian Federation. Um, they're the ones that are responsible for all criminal investigations in Russia. Um, and they said that they were improperly disposed, uh, forensic lab waste. Oh, of course they were. Well, and because the, the reason they think that is, there were medical bad bandages and hospital-style shoes also in the same spot where these hands were dumped. Hmm. And it's also not unheard of for forensic labs in Russia to cut the hands off of cadavers that are unknown and keep them until the investigation's over in case they need to go double-check an identification of somebody. As in, they don't have enough funds or money to keep the body, so just keep the hands so they can later identify somebody. And then once the investigation's over... They dispose. The they hands. get rid of the hands, but what happens? Wait, <laughs> wait. So, like in a cold case, yeah, they have a, a hand. Like instead of keeping the whole body, once they've done all the the autopsy and everything they need from the body, they're just keeping the hand. They just keep the hands for identification. Like if they come across this person's property and they're able to pick a fingerprint off of it, they can still fingerprint the hand of the person. They just keep them on ice. Why don't they just keep the fingerprint? 
and not the body at all. Uh, Sh- like none of it. Shit, I don't know. Like, <laughs> the, I'm no. I don't, don't know. You don't know. I don't know. No. This is this is what they said. Some Russian mob boss. That's his penalty. That's what he does to people that don't pay up. He cuts their hands off. <laughs> and and they know this over there. And they're covering Send it up with some river. forensic story. That was going to be my question is what do you guys think? Considering that Russia is oligarch and yeah. state news where they they basically tell people what they want to tell them. I gave you my story. And <laughs> or or is it just because Russia is very poor and poorly funded in a lot of things that these you would think if they were poorly funded they would just put a fingerprint on paper and keep the piece of paper. <laughs> I don't, don't know. even have I don't to use know. a refrigerator for that. I don't know why this is their process, but yeah, it is interesting logic. Which I I understand that you have to get a fingerprint for all actually all ten fingers. But if you do find out that um, someone that you loved was murdered. And you find out that that's the body and all that this is mal matches up. What, you're going to go pay respects to their hand? <laughs> what the hell's the purpose of keeping No, because those get dumped by the river. Sure. Um, but no, I mean, like, because I also can very easily see that that might be a true story. And there was just some, like, lazy people that worked for the, the waste services that were like just fucking dump it right you know what totally I mean? possible you know like we ain't got to take it all the way down the river to the proper place just throw it here i'm sure in russia mm. they toss hands wherever they want to toss you them. know what i mean like the fish will eat them well, you said the water was frozen correct no i mean it was like it's it snows on the ground river's still liquid boats are fishing but snow on the ground and hands were kind of in the snow with one of them peeking out hmm. it's cold not it's frozen. cold outside we're talking about Siberia here. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of on the Wade side on this one. I'm thinking someone's riding down the river and just tosses the bag to the side. Yep. Not foul, even realizing Foul it. play. Yeah. Hey, who knows? <clears throat> These are all of my victims. <laughs> Everybody, have you heard? You guys ever heard about Wayne Heisinga? No. You ever heard about him? That Wayne's name? World? Like Buzzinga? Bazinga. No, not quite, but you have, but you but you haven't. So for those of you who might not know about him, like the guys in the room, he was the man who created Blockbuster Video. Blockbuster oh. Video. Wow. <laughs> and he passed away last week, unfortunately. Oh. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you uh, the story of well, his Wayne legacy Heisinga. died a long time ago. So before you say that, okay. and before <laughs> you say, oh, poor guy, understand that he was worth $2.2 billion last year. Okay? Wow. Huh? Is, yeah. it, is it because DirecTV or whoever it was bought out Blockbuster right before the end, so he still got a check out of it all? Mm-mm. Uh, you are right now where your head is is exactly where mine was before I started doing research on this guy. Because okay? I thought didn't that happen? Didn't like cause I remember Directv or one of them cable companies. I'll tell you what bought happened. Blockbuster <clears throat> in their like dying breath. It did, but not from Wayne Heisinga. Ah, okay? okay. So check this out. The story behind this guy is an awesome illustration of um, like what we've talked about, like a business model that we've talked multiple times where Amazon or Google. Uh, comes in, buys out a business that has become some sort of a leader in its industry, mm-hmm. and they just buy it up. Hmm, like, right. It's not in the startup or the upstart phase anymore. It's become more of a leader, and they just scoop them up because they're mm-hmm. the giant. They're the behemoth, right? Well, here's a little history on his come up to explain what I mean. 
Born into a family of trash men in the late 1930s, uh, he later dropped out of college to pick up the family trade and open his own garbage business in Florida around, say, 1962. He drove his trash truck from like 2 a.m. until noon every day and solicited customers during his afternoons off. Six short years later, he bought out 100 other competing trash service companies and founded what we now know as Waste Management. For real? For real. Word. (laughs) All right. So, by 1972, Waste Management had grown to be the largest trash company in the entire world. Nowadays, doing around $14 billion a year in revenue. They take my trash. Yep. They take everybody's freaking (laughs) trash, dude. They sponsor golf tournaments. They do a lot of things. Okay? So, once believed to be the trash king of the world, Wayne had to stick to his personal timeline of getting onto something every new something new every say like six to ten years you'll find that as a routine here so he resigned from waste management in 1984 at 47 years old and took with him a hundred million dollars worth of stock a hundred million dollars in 1984 worth of stock okay jump two years just two years to 1986 and he invests $25,000 into a chain of 19 video stores with his dream of building what he called the McDonald's of video. Okay? Uh, and between 1986 and 1994, he grew Blockbuster Video to 3,700 plus stores and nearly and over $4 billion in yearly revenue hmm. in six years. So, and it was the largest movie rental company in the United States. Again, I wouldn't have framed my conversation the way I did if it ended here. (laughs) After all, he had a timeline to keep. So in 94, which keep in mind, was three years before Netflix existed and almost 20 years before they filed bankruptcy and was bought out like what you're talking about. Yeah. In 94, he decided to sell Blockbuster Video to Viacom for $8.4 billion. Getting out when it was at its peak of its market share. All right. So let me throw in about how also in 1994 he bought the Miami Dolphins for $138 million. Okay, I did not know that. (laughs) Later to sell them to Stephen Ross, as well as the Florida Panthers hockey team for $50 million. Hmm. Used them as a public holdings company so that he could use the money to invest in real estate in the Miami area. Tripled his investment in three short years from $50 to $150 million. So don't feel bad for this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. He also owned the Florida Marlins when they won their World Series championship in 1997. Hmm. <laughs> said, that, said that selling the Marlins was one of his worst decisions ever. He ended up selling them, and then they ended up getting sold for $1.2 billion when he bought them for like $50 million in 94. Wow. The explosion of the value of football teams, like the, he bought the Dolphins for 138 million, they're worth well over a billion dollars now, like one and a half billion. God, fourteen years later, <laughs> excuse me, twenty eight years later. So, what I also once thought was a sob story about poor Blockbuster when Netflix came in and like changed the movie game. Nah, I don't feel bad at all. Turns into an incredible tale of a dude just moving capital around like a teenager. Hmm. Just taking money and moving it here and then moving it there and then moving it there and then moving it there and making big bets and all of them cashing in. You said cashing in? Hell yeah, dude. I mean, I got a tip (laughs) on this Wayne Huizinga thing because he passed away and then I started looking up some on him more and here, more there. I was like, holy shit. 
Wow. This guy, like, I felt bad for Blockbuster. Yep. Anytime I well, saw a Blockbuster store, I was like, aw. Also, <laughs> in the way you just told that story, he had nothing to do with the downfall era of, of Blockbuster. He got out. He was long gone. He got out. The, so- the sorry story is for Viacom and the peop- the investors in, uh, well, like... There's no sob story for Viacom. For, yeah, as I say, where is it? what am I saying? Right. <laughs> oh, poor Viacom. Right. <laughs> no, not that doesn't exist. It's cool, huh? That yeah, that is cool. cool. Pretty neat. Word. Everybody, have you heard? So I saw the coolest video today. Coolest video. This snake. Have you guys seen this yet? Have you seen a video on a snake? Have yet? not I've seen, seen any, no, no snake videos. Yeah, no, no? current okay. snake videos. Let me tell you how big the biggest snake in the world is. How it, big is it? <laughs> so it's 30 feet long. 30 feet. And it is... Is this a anaconda or a reticulated python? python? Okay. Reticulated python. All right, cool. I didn't know. As wide as the average human. Probably not American human because that's fat, but as wide as the average human on Earth. And as 30 feet... wide? Yes. Hmm. There's this massive snake on this video just slithering around i was about to say crawling at night probably looks like it's crawling honestly it's humongous yeah slithering at night comes up to this um group of deers and snatches one about i think they said it's 30 kilograms or something like that it, it's a pretty decently so sized it's a deer. regular sized deer about yes. 100 plus pounds but snap like They've been filming this snake for quite a while and have said that it hasn't eaten in a whole year. And so they get video of this when it's finally time for him to find food at night. He catches this deer, snatches it, and starts to just eat it all for like hours and hours of just eating the deer away. It literally had to move its windpipe out of the way just so that it doesn't suffocate because of how big this deer is. But it ate the whole thing. Wow. A hundred pound deer? That's ridiculous. This deer is massive. When you see the video, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I can't handle snake videos, chew me up man. Quick. Yeah, I don't, I don't like them. I'm not a friend <laughs> of snakes at all. <laughs> we don't get along. And those man. big anacondas and those big ass things, no, thank you, sir. <laughs> oh man. Well, where was this video? Is this in, was this in Florida Indonesia. or something? Oh, okay. I was going to guess Indonesia. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> Florida, you can forget it. Very much a problem in Florida right now. Our snakes, gigantic pythons. Yeah, really giant ones. Like snack, snag your dog or your kid kind of pythons. Like. You got to be careful. Creeping in your backyard kind of pythons. Yeah. Like basically idiots and, you know, not well kept pets that let, or people, idiots that let their snakes go and stuff like that. Like uh, several species of pythons are just popping up. Are in Florida now, you know, invasive species that don't really have a predator. Those and and the uh, pythons and macaque. Yeah. Yeah. And the macaques. Mm. Yeah. But, But yeah, dude. Since they don't have a very natural predators, like, because once they get so big, like, like eagles can't eat them and stuff yep. like that. Like, what's going to eat this snake? Nothing. Like, and then there's deer and wild boar as far as you can see in Florida. So, it's just like heyday for snakes getting gigantic. Well, apparently, it's been reported that this one snake is strong enough to eat a whole crocodile. Oh yeah, like that strong. <sighs> um, and apparently. 
um, pretty soon its heart and liver are supposed to grow more than 40% of what they currently are. Hmm. Wow. Wow. This is ridiculous. <clears throat> so this video kind of brings up a memory of a video. Remember the sloth bear versus the tiger oh, video yeah. I had you see? Mm-hmm. That video was insane. You <laughs> look sloth up. bear. Sloth bear versus tiger, okay? A sloth bear, it looks like, like a bear. It just looks like a grizzly bear, but it's got like a, sl- a sloth-looking face. It's very long. slow like a sloth? It kind of moves on all fours waddly a little bit like a sloth. But in this video, it's charging at this tiger at relatively decent speed. So They're just straight fighting. They're fighting... Over a water hole. Oh, it's over a water hole is what the oh. experts end up, you know, thinking that it's about. But the tiger is beating the shit out of this sloth bear for a good seventy-five percent of the video, and then the bear finally gets out and keeps coming back for more. It's it's it was a fight, wasn't it? Hey, yeah, oh yeah, it was a good fight. Huh. I I don't know how the bear. They must have a whole lot of like blubber or fat. You know that the around his throat, around his and his back, and everywhere, that tiger was mauling his ass, hmm. and then the bear just kind of waddles off at the end after some screams. <laughs> but what animal fights are awesome, dude? Oh yeah, I wonder if like animals caught a UFC fight if they would think the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him! Oh, uh, that would be hilarious. Like, what if dogs like get into UFC? Like they dogs and cats. They don't can watch it and get into I, it. And... I could have sworn that dogs did, but dogs definitely watch TV. That's if, for 100%. if two people were fighting oh, in front it. of my dogs, they'd probably lose it. They'd start barking and freaking out. Yeah, and, probably. You know, and like <laughs> and would get involved. <laughs> probably. <laughs> oh, this is a good segue. So you know um, the notorious RGB. Have you heard about the notorious RGB? No. R- R- RBG. Excuse me. RBG, RBG, the notorious like RBG, red, blue, green. Yeah, have you heard of this? Col- Colbert had this person on. No, I'm I'm not aware. So uh, it's a nickname that of co- oh, course. Oh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Sorry, you just went way over my head yes. when you said that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the Supreme Court justice. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so she's an old lady, and uh, anyway, they asked her the question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? For real? For real. Hmm. Oh, that's because hilarious. Because it's apparently a, this like nationwide debate. I've seen it on Twitter actually quite a bit over the last month or two. And it, it's gotten big enough to where it got to the Colbert it got, show. It got to the Supreme Court. And now he brought it to the <laughs> Supreme Court. And so it was kind of funny. You can watch a YouTube video of it, but he talks... He asks her the question. She gives him a very lawyerish answer. Well, what is what is your definition of a sandwich? And then he tells her about how it's two pieces of bread with anything in the middle that's not bread. Was basically so the so the desert, desert storm desert storm is not a sandwich according to the Supreme Court. Oh, because it's just two pieces of bread. So it's bread and bread and literally anything in the middle. But then they asked about the sub sandwich being cut without the bread being separated and then she said that that was a sandwich so then the next question he asked her was hot dog is a, so is a hot dog a sandwich and her response was according to your definition of a sandwich yes it's a sandwich so she refused to say 
it is a sandwich according to the definition of a sandwich. Uh, but she said according to your, hmm, definition to your definition of a sandwich, then yes, it's a sandwich. So She is a lawyer. So <laughs> great for sandwich casts, the debate continues, right? Yeah. So uh, there's a lead in, and here you go. Hey, Big Red Band listeners, I'm Levi Johnson, brother of Hayden Johnson, who I believe you're listening to right this very second. And I have a podcast about sandwiches with my good friend... Walt Braley, and I will be filling in as interim host while Joe Blackstock is off traveling through time. Yeah, Joe has gone back in time to find the first sandwich, so you can hear about those escapades in the upcoming episodes of SandwichCast. So listen to us, you can find us on iTunes, and you can follow us on Instagram at, at SandwichCastPod. SandwichCast. SandwichCast. It's in your mouth. So... It's good for them that the notorious RBG is on their side about the sandwich thing, yep. hot dog thing, but Craigslist is not on their side. Nope. <clears throat> what do you so, mean? So, with all the uh, dark web debauchery that goes on with uh, uh, sex L- games. Literally what Levi talked about is the worst thing about the, the internet. The worst thing on the on internet. Trafficking. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Craigslist is getting rid of the personals section. Of their webpage. Hmm. So there is going to be no more of that. And I don't know how SandwichCast is going to be able to get their guests, like their, <laughs> their most recent Russian time traveler that they had on there. You're very oh, true. That is true. So <laughs> I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know how they're going to find those incredibly eclectic personalities. But, uh, anyway. it's, it's half, he was half Russian, half German. How, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. So how, he's a muddled both. Right, because Germany took over, then lost, then took over again, and they're great. So. But they're not all friends. No. <laughs> Everybody, have you heard? So, uh, old Ben Carson. Uh, oh, here we go. Trump's Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. You know this guy, right? Oh, that's what his title is. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting, because <laughs> it does, does not matter. Do? And I'm not here to talk about his politics, because you know that's not what we do. But I couldn't let this one pass through the BRV without uh, us talking about it. So you may or may not have heard about his most recent stunt, which uh, his defense for it came right out of the Trump playbook of blame someone else. Okay, so I, full disclosure, have no idea what you're talking about. I know. I'm okay. gonna I really it. wish you had a soundbite of this. So I literally, I, I should know probably, but I don't. So go ahead. All right. So the New York Times, they were doing some investigating on where some of the public funds that Carson's office had spent while, uh, which of course is public record, like you can go Mm -hmm. get this information, uh, Freedom of Information Act. So anyways, while pursuing or perusing through their receipts, they noticed a a pretty hefty little receipt in there um, for a set of table and chairs for his office that were $31,000. What? Yeah. Just for the chairs? Table, Table and chairs, chairs. For in his office. $31,000. Mm-hmm. You don't keep that receipt. <laughs> so, Unless your cheap ass has to write it off. Of course, the New York Times immediately reports this and the embarrassment ensues. Of course. On camera, in front of the House Appropriations Committee, he says with a straight face that... He just told his wife to pick something, and it was all her fault that the outrageously overpriced furniture was ordered. No way. Yes. He says how he's looking through a catalog and doesn't decide and knows that his wife will make the best choice or something like that. Yes, almost verbatim. He he goes on to claim, 
When I assumed the position, I was told that traditionally new secretaries redecorate their offices. So Carson, as as what he explained whenever he was under his, you know, uh, hearing, he's like, I'm not really big on decorating. And if it were up to me, it would basically look like a hospital waiting room. But anyway, uh-huh. he says, at any rate, I invited my wife to come help me. And apparently the, like, the old chairs and desk and stuff were, like, crappy and old, and it needed to be replaced. Like, things were broken. So he was given the go-ahead to go ahead and get some new table and chairs. He just, you know, kind of went a little overboard. Okay. So, according to his explanation, that he gave her a vague explanation. Yeah, he said, I asked, this is his exact quotes, and this is what basically what Malcolm was saying. He said, I asked my wife to help me with that. They showed us some catalogs. The prices were beyond what I wanted to pay, and I made it clear that just didn't seem right to me. So I left it with my wife, and I said, help me choose something. And then he goes on to say, I wasn't very concerned about the furniture. The next thing that I quite frankly heard about was it was a $31,000 table that had been bought, and it was basically on the news is where he heard about it. Because, <laughs> you know, he just let it go. I'm um, sure, well, to his credit, I'm sure that a table and how much it costs him is hopefully far down on the list of his concerns. Hopefully. Okay, that's fine. You're right. But his biggest concern now should be just throwing his wife under the bus. Oh, I, yeah. Hey, <laughs> exactly. Hey, I, I don't believe him. Okay. okay. I don't believe him. But I'm, I'm just saying if there's anything plausible <laughs> the, about this whole the thing. The fact that he, he just thought it would be okay to go ahead and say, oh, no, I... I would not buy something like that, but my wife, <laughs> now she would. Dude, he works for the Trump White what? House. Uh, well, I said at the beginning of it, I said he uh, his defense came right out of the Trump b- Trump playbook, which was blame someone else. That was terrible. How many assholes we got on this ship anyhow? <laughs> Your wife? Really? So, one last interesting fact. The Housing and Urban Development official does n- did not request congressional approval for the purchase of the dining set which federal law says that any office that exceeds a purchase of five thousand dollars has to get approval Hmm. first so first of all they you know multiplied it by about six and then (laughs) and then did it anyways so there's another issue there so they had a guide of a catalog that he didn't think was right but was pricey so if the rules are that if it's that amount of money then he shouldn't have been given that catalog without approval prior so that's right. one thing second thing is you can buy if, a nice table and chairs for five thousand dollars oh your, for sure <laughs> your wife doesn't go off and spend thirty thousand dollars on a table and chairs unless she's done it before or unless she was instructed to do so one of those two things yep. she, she doesn't just stumble across a thirty thousand dollar dinette set it just doesn't happen uh, I mean, he's a wealthy guy going into being in an office. Maybe his wife is used to buying thirty thousand dollar table. That's sets. my point. That's my point. Is that it's she's used to it. So, like, honey, we are not going to put a trashy five thousand dollar table and chairs in your office. That's not happening. It looks like a hospital in here. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, have you heard? There is a perv on campus. Is there not always a perv on all campuses and at I, all I, times? I'm, I'm going. P P U R V, not P E R V, as in Keith Purvis, an associate equipment manager for the Georgia Bulldogs football team, was arrested last week on four felonies, including three charges of eavesdropping or surveillance, 
and one charge of possession of a controlled substance. So as well as a misdemeanor of possession of marijuana less than one ounce. All of this in connection with a hidden shower camera found at the football facility. The guys facility? Even better. At the University of Georgia. As in our Georgia rival, right? Oh, my Lord. So his arrest comes almost a month after an unidentified person found a hidden camera in the shower area of the football facility that houses four indoor practice fields and obviously locker rooms with showers. This prompted a full investigation by UGA and local authorities, which led them to Mr. Purvis's car, which was searched without him being there. Hmm. So some of the, one of the articles, I read a couple articles about it. One of them said that it was uh, witnesses saw a car being searched outside of a Georgia baseball game. Okay. okay. So, and he wasn't there. And police were very interested in finding this person quickly because the damage these types of stories can have on a brand somewhere. Right. Oh, yeah. So after the car, they must have found something substantial because an arrest warrant was put out, put out and he eventually turned himself into authorities. So as of this past weekend, he was still in custody and is being held on $16,000 bond. And to be quite honest, I would guess that jail may be the safest place for him. So he has been with the Georgia football staff since 2006. So how many nudie pics does he have? It appears that this was no amateur job as far as setting the cameras up. And let's not forget that he was using multiple cameras. Oh, my Lord. I can only imagine the thoughts going through the heads of all the past athletes that have showered at that facility since 2006. Uh, yeah. Just a bit. Like trying to put together a puzzle from memory of how did someone miss this. Like, you don't do it in multiple spots and something like that to where you had something in your car that they were able to find and trace it to this whole thing. So what was like and radio receiving from those cameras to a car or something? Had to be. Had to be. So that he didn't have to go mess with the cameras ever. And or didn't have to be close to his phone or something like that. You know what I mean? Didn't have to be personally close to it. Because you would think like something that high stakes, you wouldn't want to have to go adjust touch it or adjust yeah. it frequently. Correct. But busted. you would also think that you're pretty good at what you're doing. Yeah. And you're probably not just doing it for the first time. Creepy. Isn't it, man? Oh, my God. The idea of hidden well, cameras in places has always been something I'm always like, man. Anytime man, I read a story about that stuff... Um, just, uh, you know, uh, this was probably like four or five years ago, um, at work, uh, at one of the public restrooms, like there was an announcement that somebody had put one of those kinds of like, it looks like a hook, like to hang your mm. purse on. Right. Like in one of the ladies' bathrooms. No, that wasn't were, at your current work, right? No, 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 no. Right. But like <clears throat> in the past, like they came around and made it, let everybody know. Like, I just, I just wanted like to make sure I to, know where I'm going to the bathroom. Yeah, you <laughs> just basically <laughs> watch out because there's some creep that they're trying to find. You yeah. know, that shit. And because they, they make these, you can go to a surveillance. They have surveillance stores. They have all these stores that are designed just for spy cams. Well, I mean, I get you know? it on the forefront because I think it's not the worst thing in the world to have a camera like in your house or not at your, you know, like at your front door or something like that. Like, so if somebody's knocking on your door that ain't supposed to be there, you can see their face and say, hmm. Hey buddy, sure, I see you. Totally not against that. Get out that. of my house. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's definitely sometimes, uses for that stuff. Sometimes. Legit uses. Okay. But yeah, I guess it's like have, having the, that dangerous uh, conversation about a handgun. 
There's mm-hmm. definitely legitimate uses, but isn't a camera most useful like when it's seen? I mean, I, I guess the only time that you need to hide your camera is when you don't want someone to know they're being videotaped. That's in, a good point. In whatever scenario that you're doing it, so those there's yeah, a most, lot of most people that have a that have cameras, you know, surveilling their house will have a sign like in their front flower bed that like says surveillance. Hi, you're on camera, mm-hmm. right? You know, or something like that. Like they want you to know, like I'm watching you. See, and if I had a camera at my house, I think it would be just as effective to have a camera right there at my front door that someone could see. Mm-hmm. That they were on video, yeah. and then maybe have a backup one in case they smashed it with a baseball bat inside, but at least one that they could see, so they knew that they were on video. But like the, sometimes people break in anyway. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, I, th- I think it's also to d- modern stuff with all these cameras on people's houses. Though is like it's an immediate response. Like so, you're sitting there at work, and your phone goes off with an alert. Because there was motion at your front door, right? It brings up the live camera feed to your phone. Oh, it's just the UPS guy dropping something off. Everything's good. Mm. If somebody's smashing the camera on your front step, then the police are on their way, right? You know, it's oh, it's it's just the milkman. He slept with my sister Charlene. Get him. <laughs> but you know what I mean, like the like I don't even know if it even matters if they smash it. You if know? you got a sister named Charlene, she's sleeping with the milkman. <laughs> or in those situations, even if they see it or not, maybe you just want it to be discreet on your. You don't want a, you know a, a big huge camera, because I mean, like I said, it does the same thing. Like the second they start to try and yank on your door handle, like alarms going off, mm-hmm. it's dialing the cops. Whereas if it's the UPS man, you're like, no, nah, it's all good. It's just the UPS man trying to get in the house. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If he goes to jail, I'm hoping that everyone in that jail with him knows about him doing this. Oh, he's going to have to be by himself. He's yeah, one dude, of those. he will get destroyed in prison. <laughs> His last name is Purvis, first of all. Second of all, or secondly, he was That's filming irony. football players. Yes. That's irony. <laughs> That's Like, what's his name? Anthony Weiner? Yes, yes. also irony. major irony. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my god! That was the best. I'm laughing, <laughs> but I'm also not laughing on the inside. It's just That's terrible, a horrifying the f- situation. <laughs> Jeez, SEC. Oh no! Everybody, have you heard? All right, so I'm gonna tell you all about agricoin. If that's how you even pronounce this, I guess it's just a play on words with agriculture and. Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. Okay. Okay. So kind of like uh, the Petro. Yeah. Yep. So pretty much this is now a new way to invest in spicy peppers. Um, <laughs> if I'm even pronouncing this correctly, but it's Mexico's Amar Hydragonia or... If one of y'all says some silly ass name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. We'll go with Amar. We'll go with Amar. <laughs> Um, growing some habanero chilies. They're starting to sell them as tokens online. They Wait, started hang this. on, hang on. What kind of chilies? Habanero. What kind of chilies? It's habanero. Oh my goodness. It's not an inye. Why'd I say ha? <laughs> no, no, no. But you no, also used an inye. There's no inye. Trust me. There's not, no inye? Uh-uh. No, it's just a regular N, N-A. It's habanero. Habanero. It's habanero. No wow. inye. Because if you do say it with an inye... A little Mexican boy named Franco will make fun of you for years over it. And so. he's probably not the only oh, one. Oh, good point. Yeah. So All right. Let one me get of our, this right. One of our early, early guests, Franco. Yeah. Yes. He 
I said with an Inye one time, and he never let me live it down. He said it's like the equivalent of saying tortillas. Yes. Oh, wow. That is really bad. Yeah. So all you listeners out there, jalapeno does have an Inye. I just figured they would be the same type of word. Same thought process here. I was wrong. It's like saying jalapeno. (laughs) (laughs) Habanero chilies. Proceed, sir. Man. So anyways, they started selling them as tokens online, and this started back in September as a way to raise capital from smaller investors. So each peso, Agricoin, did I pronounce peso right? Yes. Correctly? Yeah. I did? Yeah. Oh, good. Um, Agricoin is backed by a square meter of, like, hydro... Hydroponic. Yeah, hydroponic production. Wow. In Quintana Roo State. So one, one... Agricoin is for one square meter of hydroponically grown habanero peppers. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. That's what I got. Yeah. So, so far they've sold 50,000 since September. If I read the article correctly, they've sold over 50,000 of the million coins they have. Okay. So they got a million square mm-hmm. meters of, and, of habaneros. Mm-hmm. Okay. And pretty much it's supposed to pay um, a yearly dividend equal to 30%. So, okay. That's actually very well, good. Well, there's a huge market for chilies worldwide, you know? Like, there's a very small small area in the world where they're grown mm-hmm. and harvested in a huge market for them worldwide. Kind of like reminiscent of, say, something like oil. There's very small areas of the world where you can get oil, and there's a huge global demand for it. Well, Obviously, habaneros ab- and oil are not in the same level, but... <laughs> Well, that's what I was thinking, too, because at the very end of the article, it starts to talk about other parts of agriculture that are starting to get used, hopefully, as agri-coin, like soybeans for China or tomatoes. Sure. Which blows my mind if we start going with... You know how much pizza the U.S. Mine, actually. Do you know how many tomatoes that means? Uh, that's a fact. But do you know Just what that saying. is? That's investing in local farms. That's that's investing in your neighbor. That's investing oh, in yeah. actually things that you can touch, taste, that have a backing to it and have a global demand. But it's also how a country like Ireland totally was decimated by the potato. potato. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because everything was built around the potato. This, wow, this is crazy. This makes my brain go so many different ways. Can I say a funny story about habaneros? Yes. Sure. So I grew some one time, really, and they were fantastico. And um, I don't know if you're aware, but habaneros are very hot. Like you know, jalapenos are. I think Do it's they like, come in different colors, like green, red, and yellow? No, or no like green, just yellow, green? and orangish are like okay, the colors okay. that they change as they're ripening. Like they're yes. green, and they start to turn yellow, and then they turn yes. like a full orange. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so like, I think like. Jalapenos are like ten thousand Scoville units, and habaneros are like a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand or something like that. Like it's, a, it's a big jump. Mm. Okay, so anyway, I grew some one time. They came out fantastic. I had tons of them, so I like canned them and had just jars and jars and jars of them. And so we would bust them out at parties as like a gag, like, "Hey, eat one of these peppers and see if you can handle it." And of course, nobody could handle it. Like it was vile. I mean, like you're just ah, like you you could not handle it. And so my buddy, he does it, okay? He has it on his hands. Like, he, like, eats the pepper, and he's like, oh, he's dying. And he's, like, got the peppers all over his hands. And, you know, he's making it, and he's okay. And 
then he has to go piss. No. So, no. And so he no. goes, and he has not washed his hands yet. Oh, God. And he goes to take a piss, and yes, gets the habanero on his junk. Oh, God. And, oh, man. And so, you know, this is the funny part of the story. So, what do you do whenever your mouth is burning from hot? What's the best thing you can drink? Milk. Milk. Okay. So what do you think he did? He did not pour it on <laughs> he, himself. He, he, di- he dipped his. He dipped dong that dick in. right into the milk. <laughs> yep. Well, in oh, a, his own cup of milk. Not he couldn't jug. just pour it. He wanted to soak hey, it. Yeah, you got to let it marinate. <clears throat> but, you got to let it marinate. Yeah. <laughs> oh my! Filled up a cup and just just stuck it right down in there. <laughs> wow! It worked too. <laughs> he was like it, like almost immediately relieved it. And uh, and then he just kind of like you know rinsed uh, off, rinsed the milk off his junk and uh, went back on with his business. Wow! Uh, <clears throat> How much did you say the Agricoin cost? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I didn't say, but it's five hundred pesos, I believe. Well, so much is that in dollars? Man, like twenty twenty five bucks, something like that. We'll go with twenty five dollars. Yes, I would. <clears throat> I would have to say that's close. So $25 for a coin. Think about the this is this makes more sense to me than personally because I'm not a computer person, and I don't understand this stuff, but this makes more sense to me than Bitcoin. Why? Because there's something tangible that you're getting. Wade's really good yeah. at guessing. I just want damn it, Wade. What is it? $25. No way. Not kidding. It's Cuz what's the exchange rate? Uh Point zero five five times five hundred is twenty seven dollars. Twenty seven dollars. Hmm. That was off. But you just threw a number out there. I you ballpark. Son of a bitch. That's that's what it is. <laughs> so <clears throat> you know what the exchange rate is right now for pound? A pound? I think it's like one one and a half. One point three dollars. A little one, bit more than a dollar. I don't know. How much. Yeah, it's like one point four dollars. Mm. But anyways, Bitcoin. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's all right. You're saying that you like this better than Bitcoin because it's more tangible. I've read multiple articles in my past about Bitcoin, and I don't understand it fully, but a lot of people are saying that Bitcoin is worth a lot of money because people claim it's worth a lot of money. Yes. Not because of a tangible value that is attached to it with anything. So that's why I personally feel safer. I'm an, I'm an old school person when it comes to that, I guess. I feel safer about the Petro thing that he... Well, not because it's... Only because it's Venezuela do I not feel safe with that. <laughs> right. But having a commodity that's backed by it. Like, when are we going to start to see water coins? When are we going to start to see corn coins? We're going to start to see all of these different things. And I think this is going to be, could be, a future of currency for us. I gave you we guys We go back this. to bartering real tangible things instead of fake money. Didn't I give you guys, like, this, like, doomsday thing about the internet ending, about this palm reader that i heard give this speech about how more reinvested us as people are going to be with our neighbor and into local things things like organic goods or things Mm. like um produce and buying things locally and caring more about our state government than our federal government Mm -hmm. that type of (laughs) crazy thought process well, if we had corn coin in Nebraska, in Kansas, <laughs> we'd oh, be rich. <laughs> those people would feel like more ownership to their state. They would feel more ownership to what their state produced. Mm-hmm. They would definitely produce better fucking corn. 
You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> who hurt you? Who, man, I'm just I'm tired of these other states trying to think that they can hang with Kansas corn. <laughs> it's just it, it pisses me off. Anyway, I'm gonna ask these guys a question about corn one day. I'm gonna email them a question, and it's gonna be all about corn, and you're gonna know that it's for me. So hopefully you all guys right. go listen to them. But I think well, it's time to take a break. You guys are looking at me like I'm I'm nuts. No, let's do it. PSB. Yes. DAB. Hey, how's it going, Big Red Van listeners? Uh, my name is Reese Kitts. I'm Garrett Faust. And uh, we're, we're a part of a little podcast called Decent at Best. And what Decent at Best is, is we're a podcast where we ask you guys to send us in questions at our at our email called uh, decentatbestshow at gmail.com. And whatever question you want to ask, you send it in to us, and we'll answer it live on air. And we will answer them with answers that aren't great. We don't promise they'll be good. They probably won't be bad. They'll probably be around Decent at Best. Decent at Best pretty much sums up our show. We don't Google anything. Everything is all off the top. Off the, off the top of our head. So everything we answer is going to be completely first first impression, word association. So tune in to, the, to our episodes, and we appreciate it. See you guys there. Thank you. Everybody, have you heard? About two Florida men who are accused of breaking into their ex-boyfriend's home. And using ragu sauce to try and burn it down. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Two men that are uh, 36-year-old Derek Irving and 28-year-old John Silva were arrested on March 13th um, after they broke into the home of a common ex-boyfriend. So they both dated this gentleman. Okay. Um, so they both knew exactly what he had. Exactly. Okay. And they were like, hey, I know him too. Let's go rob him. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, he he at work. Yeah. They stole several items. (laughs) (laughs) He at work, (laughs) including a flat screen television, duh, the window AC unit, because that's valuable. Extremely. And a vacuum cleaner. Man, these vacuum cleaners in the hood. Huh. So, um, you know, we were just talking about motion sensor cameras and stuff like that earlier. Yes, we were. That's um, what they we were have talking. one there. So he did. Oh, perfect. So the victim called nine one one after being alerted by his security cameras of motion being detected in the house. Um, and then he said a towel had been placed over one of the cameras so that they couldn't see what was going on in the house. Okay. So arriving deputies saw a red SUV leaving the area. Conducted the stop. The two men were, of course. Irving and Silva, um, and they claim they were just picking up clothes from the home, but, um, of course, the contents of the car said otherwise. Mm. Right. They were busted. So, one other detail. Yeah, I mean, picking up clothes, that did not mean a vacuum cleaner. Right. Or an air conditioning Or an air conditioner, yeah. Yeah. You know? (laughs) All those things. He didn't mention the air conditioning unit. That probably threw him off. So, the best part of the whole story, though, is because, like I said, whenever someone has a camera in their house, it's on. It's looking at you, mm-hmm. and you have to approach that camera before you throw a towel over it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're yeah. not completely, you're not in the clear until after the towel goes over. So, in order to disguise himself before he did that, he put on his um, bull costume. So he was dressed up like a bull, um, held his towel, and then went, and that's how he went and put. That's his, the best disguise he had. The best thing he had. A bull, a bull costume. A bull costume. Wow. I wish I had a bull costume. No, you don't. So, they're also a little bit dirty, too. So, they, um, I, I spoke about the ragu sauce 
how you burn someone's house down with ragu sauce. Yeah, how exactly does that happen? Because <clears throat> I I have left some spaghetti sauce on the on the stovetop, as yeah. they say, for a little too long. And when when that stuff starts popping, like you, you, it makes you think that if that landed on like clothing, that it could start a fire <laughs> with how hot it is. It's definitely on the but, scale of uh, lava. But that's not how combustion works. No, no. You know. Well, so, so how, how, tell. So they, the ragu is just the the fluff of the story. So they, he was trying to make it look like they left the stove on, and he put a towel like right up next to the eye with the eye on like high ah, gotcha with the pot of ragu on so look it'll look like so like the guy was at home cooking some spaghetti and then he had to go check his tinder and yeah. and then his house burned down because he left the pot on <laughs> excuse mm-hmm. me how dare i his grinder <laughs> and and then and then he burned his house down right and it was been an all accident and nobody would ever known about the missing tv and all the other stuff sure they would have just gone Oh, it all burned down. Yeah. So what I thought was funny was the um, the victim. They had a few quotes from this guy. Um, my favorite one was, <laughs> and this is why I named the article Fixed and Sketty. So Skeddy. he was trying to make it look like I left the stove on, but who gets up at 2 a.m. and fixes Sketty? <laughs> <laughs> this is his uh, local news interview. So that's like those are always the best. Fixes <laughs> exactly. Um, so both men were were charged with uh, unarmed burglary, grand theft, and attempted arson. So Silva is being held on a twenty five thousand dollar bond, and Irving doesn't have a bond. He's stuck. No hmm. bond. And he, well, he who was the one in the bull costume? Irving. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You get an extra sentence for bull costumes. Yeah, and... I used to suck dick for coke. I seen him! <laughs> oh, no. Everybody, have you heard? Travi's back. Back again. So, I've talked a lot about Travis Kalanick. He's the Uber, former Uber CEO, ousted after the whole sexual harassment stuff went down. And oh, yeah. Uber's company was in turmoil because they had literally zero oversight when they built the company. <laughs> and they just grew too fast. And a la, uh, he gets kicked out. So, uh, last time I brought him up, he sold a bunch of his personal shares of stock. So yeah. that he could have... Or he was trying to. I uh, thought he, we were... he successfully did. Okay. He was trying to sell more. So that he could have some cash to throw around. I think I said somewhere in the neighborhood of $1.5 billion was yeah. what he was he was trying to cash out for. So here we are. <clears throat> we named a few of the possibilities of the things that he might be trying to spend that money on. And there was even a bold assertion made about how there was a possible Steve Jobs-like motive behind all of this. How he was going to return to Uber possibly one day, some, some way, somehow, right? Well, here we are where Kalanick announced last week his investment of $150 million into a company called City Storage Systems, where he will now be the CEO. So City Storage Systems buys up failing retail estate assets, such as parking lots and strip malls, and they turn them into spaces for businesses of what they're calling the digital era for anything <clears throat> that would be e-commerce related. So whether it be... So that, that- Kroger that closed down because nobody lives on that side of town or whatever. They could just use that big, huge warehouse retail space to run a 
an online operation. Correct. Is what you're saying it's hmm. exactly what what I'm saying. One hundred percent. Instead of demolishing them and all mm-hmm. that, it's already a built structure. Much like Amazon's thoughts. Instead of us having to spend the money on building stores, let's just buy somebody out. We've already got the buildings. If we have to refurbish some, whatever, it's going to save us a lot of capital in the future for if we just buy something that's already existing. So same thought process. And according to Kalanick, this firm will focus on what he calls, quote, his passions, investments, ideas, and his big bets with his theme to fund with his theme of the fund to be centered around what he calls large scale job creation. So here's the point. The largest area of focus for Kalanick in this venture is going to be food delivery. Okay. I like that. Okay. Food no- delivery. That's so, that's Knoxville right there, man. Guy coming from Uber. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Delivery is a thing that I think he knows a little something about. And a pre-existing asset of... <clears throat> Yeah, a pre-existing ass- asset which he acquired with the purchase is a company called Cloud Kitchens. So they are a company that provides infrastructure to, infrastructure to food delivery startups, and they just so happen to be a partner of Uber Eats. Yep. So here's this big partnership that he's already back with them, and you know how this ultimately ends. I mean, you know he's going back. This it, There's going to be one day where everything's going to be cleared, and he's going to go back. He's got to wait for the dust to settle on all these charges, and I'm sure it won't hurt when that managing firm gets out of the way and they're deemed to have everything under control and they can have a regular CEO again as opposed to being run by some board of directors. And he'll return, and it's going to be very Apple-like. Uber is a company of the future, for sure. They have done a great job of modifying and changing, and although they've had their setbacks, man, they have stayed on on the forefront of things for sure with that industry just driving and picking people up if they would have just kept with that one mode that they would have failed by now someone else would have caught them and someone else would have beat them and if they didn't partner with people for food delivery and grocery delivery and all this other shit that they do then they would have gotten beat by now so well especially now that a lot of grocery stores are doing that like uh where you put your groceries together online and then you just go pick them up. Like it takes like you put in your order 30 minutes later, some associate in the store has gathered up everything on your list, Hmm. bagged it and has it ready to go. You pull up to the front door and load your stuff in your car. Dude, like 18 or 20 episodes ago, I joked about the fact that they would be putting your groceries away for you. I read an article about how that's like a possibility. Where they were literally, no, they'll send them to your house and they'll put them away for you. So (laughs) not just where you're putting it together and you got to go pick it up. Like they put it together, they take it to you, they put it away. Because all these companies are partnering with Ring, that company that sells the smart doorbell. Where if if they're a partner with Walmart, then the Walmart associates can get access to your home and then they can put your shit away that you order. Same thing wow. with Amazon doing the same thing with these doorbell companies, you know, security camera companies. If they partner with the delivery service, then it's all, hmm. again, all that data and all that privacy and all that shit that we're talking about that we don't want to give up. And all we got to do is get off our lazy asses and go to the store and have a face-to-face conversation with a person. How terrible is that? Yeah, it so, sucks so bad. Grocery delivery, though, reminds me of, like, Schwanzman truck yeah. yeah the schwann's guy yeah yeah good wings 
So I, which I haven't seen in forever, but I remember my mom ordering. See, from the Schwann's guy always stopped it. at the house next door. Really? <laughs> they had good ice cream. We never got the Schwann's. Oh man, there were so many good things. Ice cream for sure. All the different novelties were fantastic. But I remember my mom literally going out of the house, ordering for the four of us kids, and then just. Little by little, neighbors would start coming out who had never seen Schwann's before and want to go check it out and see what it was all about. And then they'd start getting on the list and ordering, and that guy would get promoted, and we'd move on to the next one, and more people would find out about it. But I haven't seen a Schwann's truck in forever. Nope. It's one of those old things. Amazon Pantry ran them out of business. Speaking of trucks, so I know we've been in for an hour and ten minutes, but everybody look up how much bullshit it is, the regulation that food trucks are coming under. So food trucks over the last, like, ten years or stuff have been, like, booming in popularity, Mm. and it's not just in college towns. Because the overhead for a full-size restaurant is out is outrageous. Yeah, but when you have regulation prices of $17,000 to get started and an annual cost of $38,000 to stay operating, what? what's Ooh. the difference between operating uh, That's not okay. and a brick-and-mortar service? So, again, we, we've talked about many different things. Some of them connected, some of them not. Some of them I connect on my own because I'm crazy. Some of them that actually are connected. But the whole thing about Amazon owning the Washington Post and how they don't have to deal with a whole lot of regulations and things like that. Could that be connected to the fact that their companies don't have to deal with bullshit like this? But all of these food trucks are dealing with so many regulation and problems because they're challenging an industry and the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. And Amazon, that's all they do is challenge industries, and they've never caught shit like this. So I think it's crazy that these food trucks – it's Mikey – don't mean to throw a name out there, but I won't give his last name. And it's a very general name. I hope, I think one day a guy like him could own an entire fleet of food trucks. Oh, yeah. If it was financially feasible. You know what I mean? So, somebody like that with that knowledge of food, be able to think about if they could just throw it instead of restaurants into trucks. Mm-hmm. If it was something that was feasible. But anyway. I'm trying to think of what in the world you'd want to charge them for though like the two things taxes and fees not to mention all the steps that you have to go i'm telling you research it this is a, it makes no sense this to is me. a 10 to 15 minute topic and we're late into the episode but i thought that yeah it, it came up and it's something that would be neat for people to go read about if you've ever eaten at a food truck they might be going away because the the state-by-state regulation is only getting tougher so we'll we'll leave them hanging with that one but that was a good episode guys Oh yeah, that was I appreciated that one. So, uh, thank you everybody for listening to Forty. I'm a man. I'm forty. So we'll be back with Forty One the next time. We're coming close to the annual. Hopefully, we have something fun for everybody. Take care. We'll catch you on the next one.